Oh God, with us. We praise you for bringing us together to worship you as we watch and wait for the coming of Christ. We pray for the promise of a new creation saying, come quickly, Lord. Our hope is in you. Amen. Our Old Testament reading is the first 11 verses of the 40th chapter of Isaiah. Listen for God's word for us today. Comfort, O oh comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are alike. Grass, their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Herald of good tidings, lift it up. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might in his arm, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. Turning to our gospel reading of the first eight verses of the gospel of Mark. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins and people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locust and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your side, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
have you ever gone back to watch the very first episode of one of your favorite television series? We have at our house <laughs> several times. Whether it was West Wing or Game of Thrones or The Sopranos or Gilligan's Island, you were probably just amazed at how much was packed into the first show, how many characters were introduced, how much you learned about them, how many things happened right off the bat. Well, that's the way the Gospel of Mark is. In chapter 1, John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. Satan tempts Jesus in the desert. John gets arrested. Jesus starts proclaiming the good news in Galilee. Fishermen are called to become disciples. Jesus heals a lot of folks. Jesus tells the disciples they're going to go off to the neighboring towns to proclaim his message, as he says, for that is what I came to do. And then he heals a leper. And that's just chapter one. <laughs> Think of that. What Mark does not tell us, he does not tell us of an angel visiting a young woman, surprising news that she's pregnant. Mark does not tell us of angels singing the good news to shepherds who are watching their flocks by night. Mark does not tell us of a couple traveling to Bethlehem, finding no room in the inn, or of a baby born in a stable laid in a manger visited by those amazed shepherds, or of wise men bearing gifts, following a star, and then going home another way. No, Mark starts with a prologue. A prologue, as our good students know, is an introduction, it's a preliminary statement in a novel, a long poem, a treatise, or some other text, like the gospel. It's something that introduces the subject matter. In these first eight verses, Mark tells us of who and what this kind of new book, it's a new kind of book, what it'll be about. A prologue is sort of the text version, you might say, of an overture, whether it's Broadway musicals or lots of movies, start off with an overture that gives you a glimpse, a preview of all the tunes you're going to hear along the way. Well, in the very first verse, Mark tells us that this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You may already know that even though the Gospels are arranged, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Mark is the one that was written first. Mark invented the literary form of a gospel as we know it, that is, sayings of Jesus interwoven with a continuous narrative of the stories of what happened in his life and how he died and rose again. In the very first verse, Mark tells us who the good news is about. His subject is the good news of Jesus, Son of God. Then he connects his gospel story with the beginning of the beginning of the good news with the Old Testament. You see, there's a Presbyterian preacher named uh, Fred Craddock who's written, although the coming of Christ is the new thing God is doing, it is not without a past, a past that's rooted in Old Testament prophecy. Now Craddock says that past, that history, that memory is the, memory is the soil in which hope survives. And what is remembered is the promise that God is faithful. In the second and third verses, Mark quotes the, uh, the third verse that we had read from the prophet Isaiah. Well, 
And actually, he starts off with uh, some verses from the prophet Malachi who wrote, See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And then Mark quotes from Isaiah about the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. That is, make his path straight. Which is to say, get yourself ready and don't put nothing in the way. Now verse 6 tells us that now John's clothed with camel's hair and leather belt around his waist. Well, that was important to these folks that knew the Old Testament because he's described in the same way the Old Testament described the prophet Elijah. For example, in 2 Kings, uh, Elijah is said to be a hairy man with a leather belt around his waist. And in Zechariah, we read they were described prophets generally wearing a hairy mantle, which is to say a shaggy coat. That, that camel hair coat he was wearing is nothing like that camel's hair blade or camel's colored blazer that some of us used to have and wear at this cool time of year. It was rough. And we would only get me started about his strange diet. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what what, what was it that John had to say when he got out to preach? He was proclaiming a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. Well, that was the usual route that Gentiles took to becoming Jews. But John was telling them all, repent, be cleansed, and be forgiven. Now, sometimes people mix up repent and confess. Confess admits, I did it, I should not have done I did what I shouldn't have done, or I didn't do what I was supposed to do. That's confession. And that's a good first step, but it's not enough. Repent means to turn, turn away from the old bad actions and turn to the right behavior. And what was the response to this hairy man wearing a shaggy coat, eating a strange diet, preaching repentance in the wilderness? Well, the fifth verse tells us that the people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were coming out to him there in the desert and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sin. Some of these people wondered if John were the promised Messiah they had been waiting and longing for, praying for. And he said, no, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. And then he added, I have baptized you with water, but he, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. An outpouring of the Holy Spirit had been something foretold by Old Testament prophets. Well, such as Joel, who wrote, then afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. And Joel also wrote, Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said. And among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. 
Now, if you're thinking, you know, I've heard that somewhere else too. It's because in the second chapter of Acts, Luke tells us that Simon Peter quoted those same verses when he was preaching to the crown on the day of Pentecost when, the, when they received the Holy Spirit when the church was founded. Now the prophet Ezekiel writes a variation on this theme. His message from God was that a new heart I will give you, a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. In short, in the eight, first eight verses of Mark's gospel, those eight verses show us that Mark is convinced that this cosmic struggle between God and Satan there are people that don't believe in a Satan, certainly not like with the pitchfork and the tail and all that. But if you don't believe in that there's a force of evil in the world, you're just not watching the news and reading the paper. You're paying attention sometimes to the neighborhood. But that, that battle has begun and the preparation for the reign of Christ is in progress. Mark has quoted the prophets in his prologue and he has told us that we, we are living in what I call the second prologue. That is a time of preparation for Christ to come again. And so we pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Thanks be to God. Go out into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return no one evil for evil. Support the weak, help the suffering, and honor everybody. Rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Go in faith to love and serve the Lord.